All right, all right. Come on, True Life. You happy to be in church today? You doing okay? Doing well. I want to, uh, one more time, I know Whitney already did it, but I want to say hello to those of you who are here for the first time. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor. A little different today. Got my amazing wife, Amanda, who's co-pastors the church uh, up here with me, and I'll, I'll tell you about what we're doing here in just a second. But uh, to those of you who are with us for the very first time, it's going to look a little different today. Normally we have one person preaching, but we're wrapping up our family value series today, uh, taking your questions, talking about uh, how to build strong families, and, uh, and a lot of parenting, most of the questions have been about parenting, but we're really just talking about how to build strong families, and um, so that's what's driving it today, so we're glad you're with us. If you're looking for something that looks a little more normal, you'll have to come back next week, because it's, it's a little different today, but we also want to say hello to those who are watching online. Come on, would you help me welcome first-time guests and everybody who's watching, and you wanted to say hi? Yes, good morning. I forgot to say good morning in the last service until we had gotten into it. So good morning, y'all. How you doing this morning? I'm still catching my breath from being up here a second ago. That, and I just want to let you guys know that these cushy seats are really awesome. They're super comfortable. It's new for me. I haven't, this is the first time I'm getting to use them today. We only so. have two. We bought yes. these for the marriage conference. And yeah. Whitney is on the cheap one over there, so. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Whitney. I feel it. Sorry, Whitney. But because I've had to sit on, and now he's spinning me, because I've had to sit on the hard stools, the really hard, like yeah. painful stools before, like these are just amazing. The ones we make so. you sit on in the lobby, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like this, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, so uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been asking you to send us your questions about parenting and building strong family. Amanda and I are going to take this. Whitney's going to interview us here in just a second. Uh, but we, we want to give you an opportunity to add to those live on the fly. And Whitney's going to be watching those come in right here on the tablet. Um, you can text your questions to 302 709 1449. That is going to stay anonymous. Full disclosure, we didn't realize this until later. If you happen to be in my personal contacts, uh, your name is going to show up on my tablet there, but only Whitney's going to see it, and we're going to keep it completely confidential, so you're good, all right? So don't, don't worry. We're not going to call you out from the platform, and we're going to just delete all of those, and nobody's going to see your name or know uh, what you asked. In fact, we had a scary moment this week. Like you're saying, we're not going to say, so-and-so says. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, we're not going to be like, so, so-and-so says yeah. their kid is a demon. Right back there that's back in the, like, fifth row in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you. <laughs> you're a bad parent. No, we're not going to do that. Um, we, we had a scary moment this week because I was looking at some of the questions that were in here that had come in during the marriage conference. We used the same phone number. Um, and there were, there was, y'all had some very interesting questions at the marriage conference that we never got to. Some of y'all are a little... You'll freaky. All right, so um, uh, glad we didn't have to answer those <laughs> during the marriage conference. Um, but but one of the ones that had a contact associated with it was Caitlin, our our, our dream team director, and her husband Dan. And when we got ready to do this Q and A panel during the marriage conference, we didn't have enough questions yet, and so we were telling people like, send us questions, send us questions. And so she was just trying to think of some questions and send them in. They weren't even questions they had for their own family. And um, so there was a question there, and both of them are on our staff. They both work for us, or with us. And um, so the very last question on there from Caitlin was like, how do you start over when one of you's made a big mistake? And I was like, babe, what are they not telling us? We gotta go talk to them, like right now. What's this big mistake? 
It, there wasn't one. They had just sent in a question to try to send in questions to help us for, for the marriage conference. So I'm glad, I'm glad that it was, it was not that. So I'm going to turn it over to Whitney. Whitney's going to interview us today. We're going to talk about building family. And why don't you start with the thing that you kind of added in uh, about halfway through around not feeling condemned or any, because we're just going to share what's been working in our home um, over 14 years of parenting now. So why don't you just talk a little bit about that before we get into it? Yeah, so the, the thing that can happen when we do a Q&A panel like this is that, you know, there can be this spirit of condemnation that comes over us because we hear from our amazing pastors and hear from about their marriage and about their family and what works for them. And so let's just, um, let's just pretend right now that we're in your living room and we're hanging out. Um, and, um, and so what can, what can happen right now is um, in your living room, we're just having a very life-giving conversation about how they've had some success in their marriage, in their marriage and um, in parenting. And so just, just kind of, um, you know when you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you kind of like loosen your belt a little bit because you're making room for more food? Just loosen your belt a little bit today spiritually and make room to learn. I'm here to learn and grow um, from our amazing pastors. And I want you to know that um, we, are, we are not up here because we are perfect. We just got here first. Um, we are broken people and, um, and we're just pointing you to the well. So we're gonna talk, we're gonna, you know, they're gonna share a lot about what Jesus has taught them um, through parenting and marriage. And, um, and yeah. so, yeah, that, that's. And we're, we're learning every day, right? So we're just sharing some things that are working yeah. uh, based on the questions that are asked. But, but we're learning every day, and, and so don't, anything that we share today, don't be like, oh, we're terrible, we haven't been doing that. You just, you start from where you're at, and, I, and some of you don't have kids, you're in the, maybe you're in the grandparent season, so you can use today to help you build some things to be praying over your family. Um, some of you are still, still single, and you're like still considering family, marriage down the future. You should be taking notes furiously today. The more you can figure out before you're in it, the, the better off you're going to be. So, Yeah, and I said this in the first service too, that everything that we've done well, um, Jesus gets all the credit for it. We don't take any credit for it. Um, we have been parenting for 14 years, but um, it's only by his grace and his mercy and his wisdom um, that we've been able to do what we've done. And just as many times we've done it well, we've also made mistakes and that many times we've also failed too. Um, so yeah, we have, we have our fair share of mess ups for sure. You're pretty. Stay focused. Girl. Stay focused. All right, moving on. So basically, this is to equip you and to resource you. So we're going to run through some questions. This first question makes me giggle. I really like it. It's my favorite. And it says, how do I get my children to listen? I know they're choosing to ignore me because we've had their hearing tested. That's funny. I like that they like went to that extreme, whoever this was. They're like, we're going to the doctor right now. Going to the urgent care. We're going to find one that has a hearing test. We're going to figure this out right now. I bet they've gone through a lot of Q-tips in that house too, like trying to make sure there's nothing in there. Um, okay, so let's, let's just be real on this question. Quick show of hands. How many of you in the room are parents or have parented at some point? Okay, so a bunch of us. Um, how many of you have had this happen with your kids? 
Yes. Okay. So that's that's a hundred percent. Let's let's ask this question. How many of you have had parents or guardians? Okay. How many of you at some point tuned them out? Yes. Okay. So it's we're a hundred percent participation in this. I think, uh, and we've we've experienced this too. So I think the, the the important thing here is start from a place of grace with your kids, and we experience this too. Um, what we want to know when one of our kids is not responding to us and we're trying to get their attention or we're trying to give instruction is, is it intentional or not? Sometimes it is. Sometimes they are, they do not care that you are talking to them, that you are trying to get their attention. They have made a decision to pretend that they couldn't hear you or ignore you. Now, it's not always true. There are times, especially like my son, Ben, he can just get really hyper-focused in on something. And so if he's playing a game or reading a book um, or watching something on TV, he can, or building Legos, he can get like, and so you could be like right here, hey, Ben, hey, Ben, hey, buddy. And he's just like, and then you find like, hey, hey, man. And then he'll, yeah. And so then what we do is we ask the question, did you hear me calling for you? And you can tell by their face, right? You can tell by their face. Even if they lie, you can tell by their face. And so uh, with Ben, a lot of times he'll be like, no, I, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I, what do you want? And so in those instances, it's just a, hey, can you try to be more aware <laughs> of the sounds that your parents are making? Like we're trying to get your attention. It's time to get ready for bed. Um, but, but then you say, hey, did you hear me or were you ignoring me on purpose? And then there, you get that with Ben, like his eyes get big. It's like this, uh-oh. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, you can see the life like kind of drain. It's it, like, yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened with your children. Yeah, the life is leaving his face and the, the pale like kind of takes over and like the, and you can see his, the wheels in his head going and because he knows where this is going. Yeah. You know. And so in that moment, losing your temper, getting angry is not helpful. What we, if he, if he's gets that face and he's like, yeah, I, I ignored you then, or, or with either of our kids, then we just say, okay, tell me about that. Tell me why you felt like that was the right decision to make just now, which is worse than launching into a tirade or yelling or, or losing your temper. It's worse because it, it forces your child to begin to process the, the choice that they made and how there's probably going to be a consequence now associated with that choice, which, by the way, is an important life skill for all of us to learn, that all of our decisions have consequences, good or bad. And so he's now, or she, whichever of our kids it is, they're now processing, uh-oh, something's coming. So then, you know, it's, then it's just a simple, it's not emotional Hey, so since you chose to ignore me and, and continue to play on your Nintendo Switch, that's my Nintendo Switch for the next 24 hours. We'll evaluate again at the end of tomorrow. I love you, but you don't get to ignore us. When we, when we talk, we expect you to respond, okay? And sometimes there might be a little bit of tears or whatever, but we don't fly off the hand. I'm not saying that we've never lost our temper with our kids. I'm just telling you that's the way you want to handle 
that, that kind of situation. So do they know in advance that that's what the consequence would be? Like, do you tell them, hey, if this continues, this is what the consequence will be? Or do you just kind of take something away? Yeah, um, we, we are kind of constantly evaluating what is the thing right now that will get their attention. So uh, in our house, a lot of times it's screens. Um, for our 14-year-old, that could be, in, she's so in love with like church and being here and serving, that could even be like, you have to step away from that for, for a little while. Like we, we never really do that, but it, that's we're, We don't have a lot of options with her because she's so great. Um, so like, it's like, we don't know what to take away or what to do, but um, so usually it's a screen or electronics or, or something like that, that. But what our kids do know is like, hey, there's, there's always going to be something that comes behind this. It's really a two-rule two household. That's what we say. Um, so if we've, if we've never had a conversation and we've never set a clear expectation, then there is no discipline. There's a conversation where we set the expectation. Hey, moving forward, the next time this happens, you can expect a consequence. So that warning. Yeah, so it's yeah, a warning. Yeah, we make sure, yeah. Right? But once we've set the expectation, yes, they know that there, there's going to be a consequence. Now, we reserve the right to exercise grace. You know, I had that conversation with my son, I don't know, probably six months ago. And I, I leveraged it because he was in trouble. He knew he'd made a bad decision. And, and so I just said, hey, buddy, do you understand why Jesus went to the cross for us? It's because we make lots of bad choices. Like, it's just going to happen. You're going to make some bad choices as you grow up. And the really cool thing is, is that even though you may still deal with some earthly consequences, God's not going to punish you for every one of those. He's not angry at you. Jesus went to the cross. He paid for all of those mistakes. And so now what we receive is God's grace, his mercy, and his grace. And so listen, dude, I want, you to, I want to make sure you understand that. Right now, I should be disciplining you. I should be taking something away. But I want you to know what grace feels like. So you're off the hook. I love you. Go have fun. Let's not do this again. So we, we hang on to those as well at any moment. Or if we say, hey, you've lost it for a week, and three days in, they're just being angels, then we might say, here's some grace. It's not going to be a week. Here's, here's your stuff back. Um, the consequence is finished. It's over with. So what I'm hearing you say is because you understand what Jesus did for you, you're able to exercise grace towards your children. For sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. How much of your relationship with Jesus stems from or into parenting? Well, I'd say all of it, right? I think we said that in the first service. I my opinion is that if, you, if Jesus is not the center of your life, you're not parenting. You're surviving life with kids. There's a difference. And so if I'm gonna be a good parent, then I need the best parent, right? I need my heavenly father, the best one there ever has been, um, to show me not only how to be a good parent, how to be a good husband, how to love my wife, like everything that my family needs, I can only get from him. Um, now I can learn some things from other people, but even that, he's placed those people in my life, right? right? So it's, it's all from him, he gets all the glory, all the credit, and I've learned more about who God is to me as a father than I ever would have been able to without being a father, without being a parent. Yeah, and part of that, as parents, we're modeling, you know, um, 
we're modeling Christ for them. So everything that we do and how we react to them and the, and the consequences and the discipline and all of that, we're modeling, you know, that in that relationship, especially I know in that yeah. father relationship is even more. If you're the kind of person that thinks every time I make a mistake, God is angry at me, you probably had some parent or leadership figure in your life as a child who every time you made a mistake, they got mad at you. And so that reinforced that idea in you that, that authority, even if they say they love me, they're, they're angry at me every time I mess up. And so that's, that's not who God is. Um, I'm not saying he never gets angry, but he's not looking to scream at us, yell at us, um, condemn us, demean us. That's not who he is. And so I have to be mindful in my disciplinary interactions with my child. Not only am I teaching them life skills and what's expected in our home and setting boundaries, but I am setting up for them what probably their interpretation of God is going to be later on in their life. And so it's very important that we, we keep that in mind when we're, when we're having those interactions. Well, this, this, um, this next question is a really fun question. <laughs> Not really. It's about discipline. Um, so how does it work it, when you might want to discipline one way and, Amanda, you want to discipline another way? How does that work? How does that pan out? Um, how does that pan out? I don't know that we've had a ton of those kinds of scenarios. No, we've been really blessed because I know this is not the case for every um, mom and dad. We've been really blessed in that in the 14 years that we've been parenting, we've, we've pretty much been on the same page with discipline, but we also have to work at it too and making sure and I know you're gonna probably jump into something more here, but the communication between us, like making sure that we are on the same page, because we know that we have to be on the same page to discipline. We have to have that united front, right, as mom and dad, to discipline our children correctly and effectively. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. And if there are any parents here that have ever, you know, had the, your kids, you know, you go to one, they go to one parent and then they go to the other parent to see if they can, like, they know, right? They know exactly what they're doing. They know how to do it. So we have to have that united front. Yeah, my, that like our kids know if I go on an outing, run errands with daddy, we're probably getting some Starbucks, probably getting something with sugar in it. And, um, and then she's going to be like, why'd you do that? They don't need that. And um, so they definitely, yeah, they definitely learn to play the field, uh, so to speak, and that, and that can happen. I, you know what I think on this topic, too? I think the more complex your family situation is, the more important the communication is. So specifically, I'm thinking of blended families. Like, we both grew up in blended families. Um, we have family right now that have blended families. And so when you come into a new marriage with kids that exist from a previous marriage or a previous relationship, even more so now, you've got like some learned patterns and behaviors and expectations over here. Then you've got a whole different set of patterns and expectations, behaviors, maybe even different values over here. And the mistake that I think we see the most is parents wait until the discipline has to happen to, to have this conversation rather than trying as much as you possibly can to have the conversation ahead of time so that you're on the same page. So like if you're coming into a relationship and kids are already there, 
don't just talk about the romance and the marriage and the relationship. You also need to be talking about, hey, how, how are we going to create systems and structures and boundaries within this new family unit that's healthy for everybody? And how do we, how do we hit the reset button on the expectations with our kids and communicate that clearly? And then we're, we got to actually like stick to it. Um, and so I think communication, 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 communication is the key. Try to have the conversation before you're in the middle of it as much as you possibly can. But, even, but that doesn't always work either. No. And I was going to say, even before that, even more important than communication, really, and um, it's always the first thing that I try to remember is we need to go to Jesus first and talk to him about it first. Um, so with everything that we're walking through and, and how we are disciplining our children, God, what do you want us to do? God, give us wisdom. Um, and, you know, as parents, we've, we, we deal with this. We have to deal with this all the time, just like every parent. You're the and spiritual one in our family. No. We both do it. <laughs> and so, God, give us wisdom. Show us yeah, what to do. And then help us, also in that prayer, help us to get on the same page. Help us to get in agreement with what we're supposed to do so we can be on the same page, so we can have that united front and discipline, discipline yeah. effectively. And then after that, after I, you know, we've spent time with him, then we can come together, talk about it, communicate it, make right. sure we're on the same page, and then go forward with whatever needs so, to be done. Let me just add one thing to that, and then we'll move to the next one. What I'm about to say, let me put a disclaimer on it. What I'm about to say does not apply if there's abuse involved, okay? So if... If one of you is losing your temper and becoming abusive verbally, physically, anything like that, um, this, what I'm about to say, doesn't apply, okay? But if it's just disciplinary preference and one parent executes discipline, executes probably not the best word, but uh, um, exercises discipline and the other one's not totally on board with it, you don't have that conversation in front of the kids. You have the other parents back. Even if you're not fully there, you, you have the other parents back. Then later, behind closed doors, you say, hey, the, the decision that was made for that type of discipline in that moment, I didn't feel like that was appropriate. Can we talk about some co coming to a place of compromise so that if that happens in the future, we can decide ahead of time how we're going to handle it the next time, and it can be something that we're both okay with, because I'm not okay with the way that went. And you gotta have the, the that's where building intimacy, what Pastor Perry talked about last week, is so important, because we can have that conversation, not that there's never tension involved, but we both have the same goal, the same end goal in mind, which is to build a healthy, strong, God-honoring family. And so even if it's a tense conversation for a few minutes, we're not fighting each other, we're fighting for the family. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah? Okay. All right. Are you all getting anything out of this? Are you enjoying this at all? This is good? One of you. <laughs> Whose kids are grown. All right. Awesome. I'm glad, glad it's working out. So this question is um, involving media and how you, um, what advice you would give to creating healthy boundaries about, around media and screen time in, in a household. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking a lot. You want to talk? You want to go first on that one? No, you me? Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna hear about that later. Uh, so we we have this thing where she's like, "Don't ask me if I have anything to say. I will tell you if I have something to say. I'll jump in." So now it's gonna be like, "Hey, you did that thing that you do, and now I'm in trouble. I'm feeling anxiety right now, actually." <laughs> I'm go call my therapist real quick. Uh, <laughs> um, so what was the question? Media. 
media. I'm a little scared. Uh, so, um, I, I we're pretty we're pretty locked down in our house on media. I think there was a time years ago where you could trust Disney. You could maybe even have been able to trust, you know, like Netflix has stuff that's curated for kids that's supposed to be appropriate. Um, we don't trust any of them at all uh, because society has become uh, so... Now it's, you have media conglomerates who have decided that their mission and purpose is not just to entertain your kids, it's to indoctrinate them. So I don't trust any of them. We don't trust any of them. Uh, so that stuff's on lockdown in our house. We research everything. And if there's not a detailed parent's guide available that tells us what content is in the movie or the television program or the video game, we don't watch it until, unless we can put it on VidAngel, until um, that information is available to us. Our kids know if I come into the room and you are watching a program or a movie that I have not screened or mommy has not screened and approved, there's a consequence associated with that. It's not happening. We, we, we are going to be the gatekeepers. And here's why. Um, the Bible teaches us that the eyes, the ears, and the spoken word are all gateways to the soul. And I, if there's one thing, we've, before we planted this church, we spent like almost 10 years in youth ministry working with teenagers, which was where like parents would create a big problem and then hand them us and be like, can you fix my demon? And we'd be like, no, we can't. Um, and if there's one issue that I have seen consistently for now 20 plus years of doing ministry, it's that parents too often are, are just trusting that it's all going to work out. Um, they're not paying attention to what's on the screens and what, what our kids are consuming and what's being fed into their souls. And like, I, I th families like you got to stand up in this area. I heard, a, I heard a politician this week say something, um, and I'm not trying to get political. I don't even remember who it was or if I would agree with them on most anything, but, but I loved this statement. Uh, this politician said, we have to be careful that we're not using a wishbone where we should be using a backbone. And I think if there's anything I see parents kind of like stumbling on, it's because there's so much now fear in our society about being labeled a bigot or um, looking judgmental or your kids not liking you. Which if, if, they, if, you, if your kids make it to age 18 and they liked you the whole time, you blew it. Like you just didn't do it right. Um, so we, we just, we're gatekeepers on that. Um, yeah, it really is amazing, too. You know, we have two kids, 14 and 9, and um, when our 14-year-old was little, young, which wasn't that long ago, you know, we really, it was a different time, that, a different world that we were living in, and we really didn't have to yeah. worry. Like, it was, it, that's not the way it was, and now it's very different. In just such a short time, our world has changed, and I can promise you that the enemy truly is using the media with our children 
and uh, the social media and, and whether, you know, through a computer, through, through television, whatever yeah. it may be, but he is having a field day and, and, yeah. um, for, for instance, uh, Disney just came out with, Pixar came out with a new one, the, the, the Panda movie. Yeah. No judgment on any of you. We're not watching that movie. Uh, we did the parent research on it. Um, there's, there's a ton of, of sexual innuendo. Uh, a teenage gir girl and her infatuation with a boy, which those things are normal. But the movie's not marketed as a movie for 13-year-olds who are transitioning into puberty. It's marketed as a kid's movie. And so there's a bunch of sexual innuendo um, and teenage rebellion. And so when we, read, when we did the research on that, we just said, nah, we'll pass. And guess what? We're all fine. We're all okay. Nobody's ostracized. Nobody's lost their place in society. It's all good. Yeah. Um, good. It is really sad because there's a lot of content now that where, you know, before we were probably uh, allowed and able to watch and enjoy a lot more and there's a lot more we uh, today we have to say no to it feels like almost just about everything um and we even use our daughter who's 14 and she's quite a help in our home because she can now help us with our younger one and kind of help us yeah she's in here <laughs> which we have one of our children in here so we have to tread a little bit more carefully on this service um <laughs> Uh, but she's a, a huge help to us because then she can help. She's constantly watching, and she's let us know before when, when something pops up and maybe our son, you yep. know, is unaware and, and not really sure, and she's like, mm, a flag, you know, gets raised, and she comes to us, and, yep. like, I don't think this. She's great at that. Yeah, may not, this may not be okay. You might want to look into this. And, it's um, sus. <laughs> yeah, that's her favorite word. It's sus. Yeah. Ben's watching something sus. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it, is, cool. it is really sad that that's where we're at today because I remember that we, it was not like that when my daughter was young, but that's where yeah. we're at. And so even more now that hypervigilance as parents, like we have a responsibility and obligation. We have to be doing our job in that. And it's not, and we, here I want to be clear, yeah. we're not just sheltering our kids. We're having conversations, very open dialogue about what exists in our society, what exists in media and how as a family we've decided to value what's in scripture and the life God has called us to above, our, above and beyond our own entertainment and pleasure and we invite them to participate in that with us. And so it's not that they aren't aware of the things that are out there. My son came home a couple weeks ago and he's like, hey daddy, what does this word mean? And then he said it and I was like, it's a word I will not use, right? Like it was a bad word. And he just in innocence, he was just like, just what is this word? And so, like, I had to, like, not laugh because it was really funny hearing, you know, in his innocence, him just drop the word. And, but, but we, so we have that open dialogue. And so even then, I'm like, hey, buddy, you know what? I'm not ready to have a conversation with you about all the potential meanings of that word. But you should just know it's a pretty offensive curse word. And it's not one that we're going to use as a family. And he's like, okay, I won't say it ever again. Like, his, his little heart is just tender towards that kind of stuff. Can, can I? I just want to do something. Sarah, come here, if you don't mind. Just come here real quick. I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing. Just come here. This is my beautiful 14-year-old. Come here. Just come up here. Because I want, I want to prove this to you. I said this in the first service, but now I want to show you. So in our house, we've decided no social media until you're 18. Now, she does have a YouTube channel, that she, but we don't allow comments on it, and it really is it's really my channel, but it's her channel. And um, so... 
So we have complete control over, over all the, everything that happens there. But no Instagram, no Snapchat, no TikTok, no Facebook, none of that kind of stuff. When they're 18, they can decide if they want to participate in that. But watch this. Do you even want it? No. Like she, because she's in school. She sees what her, look at that. She got some applause. She sees what her friends and schoolmates, classmates, she sees the impact of media on their lives. And anybody who takes 10 seconds to research this, even the people who created these tools, don't let their own kids use them. Like the, the creators of Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, they all will tell you like, we created a monster. We should have never let our kids, we should have never created this and we don't let our own kids go there because it's so detrimental to them. And so I'm super proud of you, girl. I love that. You can go back down there. I just wanted everybody. <laughs> huh? I just wanted proof. I didn't want to just say it. I wanted everybody to hear her say it, that, that she doesn't even desire to go there. And I think that's what having open, healthy dialogue with your family produces, is, is we're not just creating weird rules. We're talking at the heart level. And then we're letting what Jesus wants for our lives determine what comes next. It's choices lead, feelings follow. So our feelings don't help us decide what we're going to do as a family. We go to God's word, we go to prayer, and then we make choices based on those things. And, and our feelings will eventually fall in line. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So there's three more questions that we have. The next question um, is a bit heavy. Um, there is a parent who was in first service that asked this question and we didn't get to it, but um, I'm sure there's some other people that are in the same boat. How do you teach a child that is confused about their identity and thinks that church hates them and they won't come to church? Um, so how, how do you navigate that when a child feels like they're not loved by their church family or they, they're, not, they're confused about their identity? What should that parent do? Well, first of all, I just want to say that's like super heartbreaking that any child would have to be feeling that way. It kind of, it makes me sad. It also makes me a little ticked off at our society, which has elevated feelings and emotions to the very tip top of everything. And then is telling entire, an entire generation or multiple generations now that if somebody loves you, they'll agree with you. That's not love. That's, that's manipulation. That's, that's not love at all. And I'm really actually thankful because in our church from day one, we're 10 years old now, at any point during our history, I could point to people who attend here consistently, who aren't sure yet if they're on the same page as our church from a theology perspective or around marriage or gender or sexuality or really any of the identity issues that are prevalent in our society right now. But even though they weren't there, they might even flat out disagree with the churches, which just for clarity, because I think it's unfair for you to not know the church you go to, where they stand. Uh, we believe marriage is a covenant relationship before God between one man who was born a man and one woman who was born a woman. That's the biblical definition for it. 
And then God asks us to keep all of our sexual activity inside of that covenant relationship. Now, a bunch of us haven't, me included. We have days before Jesus was in control of our life where we made decisions that didn't honor God. And and we've all had to live with some of the consequences of that. But it is important for us to know what the perfect design is, what God really wanted for us. And so I would just say... If, you, if you're taking your kid to churches where they're walking away feeling hated, you're taking them to the wrong church. And I hope that's not here. I hope that you've never felt that here. We will lovingly bring clarity to what we believe the Bible says, like I just did with all of you. We understand that for some people, that might be a red line that they're not willing to cross, and they feel like they can't be a part of this community. But that's their decision, not ours. True Life Church is a place where you can belong before you believe. It's a place that you can belong even if for the whole time you're here, you're not 100% on the same page as us on all issues of theology. You just can't run around starting fights over it. That's all that we ask. It can't be disruptive to the unity or the mission of the church. Does that make sense, y'all? And so we, even if you don't agree, we love you. Amanda and I love you deeply. Um, Our staff and our team love you deeply. Um, Whitney and her Next Gen's team, they're having so many identity conversations with teenagers right now because it's really now even become like cool. Like almost like you don't fit in if you haven't tried to test all of this out, especially in public schools, Um, which I think is super sad that we have like 11 and 12 year olds wrestling with these types of decisions. They don't even understand the weight I mean, like, it's proven science that the parts of your brain that help you make good decisions aren't even fully formed until your early 20s. And then we have society saying, like, hey, if you're 11, 12 years old, go do some hormone therapy. No big deal. Like, you're not even, you don't even have enough brain matter fully formed to understand the weight of the decision you're making right now. I think it's awful that our society is is celebrating that. I think it breaks the heart of God. But but even if you're not there, even if you disagree, um, you are loved. And what I love about Jesus is he did not stop and look into the future to make sure that we would all get all of our theology right and do everything the way that God wants us to perfectly every single time and then decide whether or not he was going to go to the cross for us. Come on, y'all. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he knew. He looked into the future and knew our pain and our struggle and our questions around identity and choices that we make and the regrets that we would carry and everything that we deal with. And he knew the mess that we would be and he still said, I'll go die for you. I'm gonna go pay for all of that so that in spite of everything you wrestle with, you'll look perfect and clean and holy and acceptable to my heavenly father on the day that he comes for you. And I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty powerful. So does that, does that help you on that issue, guys? Does that help you a little bit? One more, wit. All right. So this goes hand in hand. I'm just going to merge the last two questions together. So the, there's a parent that's dealing with worry. Um, They're constantly worried about their child. 
Um, but they also want to, they want their child to feel like they can open up and share things with them, but they're not necessarily doing that. They just have a lot that's going on inside of them, but they're not necessarily sharing. So the parent's worried. So what advice would you give to that parent? About to say something? Um, I was just going to start with, you know, something I said in the last service, and that's that, you know, our kids are not ours. They're never really ours to begin with. God, we're just stewards, you know, when, when our kids come into the world, God gives these incredible little beings to us to help shape and form and prepare for the world, but they're never really ours. And so they're His from start to finish. And so, um, you know, just even starting with understanding that they belong to Him, you know, trusting Him with them and, and they're His. Yeah, I think that's the big one for us is like, like you said, we have this season, we have these 18 to 20 years yeah. that we get to steward the, the opportunity to be the primary voice in their life. But ultimately, they do not belong to us. They belong to Jesus. It's the same way we lead the church. We don't believe any of you belong to Amanda or me or, or to True Life Church. Even if you're a member here, you, you don't belong to us. You belong to Jesus. You're his, um, which has set our hearts free as we lead and pastor through the years. And so I, I think, you know, Jesus asked the question, what, what good does worry do? Has it added a single day to your life? Has worrying ever fixed anything? And of course the answer to that is no. So I can't control when worry is gonna try to come for me, but I can control how I'm gonna respond to it. And so when I feel worry creeping in, try to turn that into a signal that, hey, you know what, I need to go to Jesus right now. I need to take this to the Lord and, and pray. And I think even the first service we had the question about adult parents or, or parents who have adult children and you're worried about them and the choices they're making. And so let me just give you this little thought that our, our friends, Pastor um, Corey Hardesty and his wife Carrie, who they're kind of like our parenting mentors. They're our go-tos. They've raised three beautiful kids. They love Jesus. They love the church. They're both started, they're all three starting their own families now. Um, in fact, I saw this morning, Pastor Corey found out he's gonna be a granddad and uh, got, got the first grandbaby on the way. And, which I think is really cool. And so um, so we go to them, and you need that. You need somebody who's a little bit ahead of you in life. And he shared with us one time that during the different ages, different seasons of your kid's life, your role changes. Your, your role as parents changes. And so when they're first born, obviously you're just caretaker. You're just trying to make sure they eat and change their diapers. Um, and then as they start to make some of their own choices, toddlers, you're, you're, you're creating boundaries, dis rules, discipline. Your, your primary role as the parent is now police officer. Come on, can I hear an amen? Right, so you're, you're just, you're checking everything and, and you're trying to set boundaries and rules. As they get into their teenage years, especially their upper teenage years, now you're not police officer anymore, you, you transition more into a coach. So. They're gonna make a lot of their own choices. You're trying to coach those choices. Now the coach still reserves the right to put you on the bench, if you know what I'm saying. Like you're coming off the field and you're gonna sit down and you're gonna take a, take a breather until you get your head on straight. 
but you're really coaching. You're not making all the choices for them anymore. I think that's where parents have a really hard time is as your kids get to that age where they've got to make some of their own choices, letting them make the choices. Even if you know they're going to make a bad one, kind of creating the space for them to, to stumble and skin their knee and then you put some Band-Aids on it, help them get it better and then get them back out on the field. As they get into, a, as they get to 18, 19, 20 years old, when they hit that adult phase of life, parents, your role now becomes consultant. So you go from police to coach to consultant. And the thing about a consultant is your voice only has value if it's invited. I'm talking to some meddlers right now. So your, your voice only has value if it's invited. So if your kids are inviting feedback, hey, I need to know how you did this. I need to, I need to know how you handled this situation. I need, how did you create discipline? Or Be careful that as a consultant, you're not becoming the garbage can for them to dump if stuff in their own marriage or their own family is not going well. That's not what a consultant does. A consultant just helps solve problems. But too many parents of adult kids are trying to consult and they haven't been invited. And so your voice doesn't have any value. In fact, what you're actually doing is you're putting a wedge in the relationship that eventually is gonna cost you. It's gonna hurt. Were you about to say something? Okay. Um, and so understanding your role and then knowing that across all of those roles, no matter which season the kids are in, they're not yours. And you pray and you go to God and you don't let worry overwhelm you yeah, and I just wanted to share when I, because when I said that earlier, um, I am, I'll be first in line to say that I am prone to worry. That's my go-to. Um, and I, I don't know if any other mom in here can, um, you Probably know, relate not. to me, Probably no but that's, that's my go-to emotion, like with my kids or when they're leaving. And now I've got one that's getting older and she's going to be gone a lot more. And my prone to emotion, my go-to is worry. I just know that I can't, I can't stay there. And, and God constantly reminded me, they're not yours, and trust me, you've got to trust me, you've got to trust me. So this is something that I have to, that I struggle with, that I have to deal with constantly, giving it to God, giving them to God, giving it to God, giving it to God over and over again, because as a mom, that's my, that's, that's where I go immediately, worry, worry. You're just, you know, you're constantly in mom mode. That never goes away. That mom, that maternal part of you, and as your kids get older, that never goes away. That's, that's, you know, something that God put in me. So I just wanted to make sure you understood being transparent that like, I, I absolutely struggle with it. So it's not an easy thing to deal with. That's just, you know, as a parent, that's what you want to do. You want to worry, you love your kids. You want to worry about them, but they're not, they're not ours. They're his. And so we have to trust him. Yeah. It's going back to just having that faith and trusting him with him and you know, what he says he's going to do. I do not have a maternal instinct. I hope not. So I, yeah. I, our, our, ours is, our oldest is close to driving age, just a couple years away. And I suspect even our reactions to that are going to be a little different, you know? Yeah. Like she's, I'm ready. Like you can leave. You can drive. Not that I don't want you around, but you can drive yourself places and I don't have to. That's going to be pretty spectacular. I'm going to be like, oh, you want to? You know what? Take your brother too. I've got some things that I could do in the house with your mom and you not here. Like I'm just, I'm perfectly happy. Which as a mom, I'm fully, I'm ex feeling the exact same way. So there's that, 
But then as a mom, immediately I go to the worry, like, oh my gosh, she's going to be on the road. She's going to be driving all the other drivers that are on the road and texting and driving. And, you know, there's just, your mind just starts going to a hundred different things. So, so there's absolutely that. I am super excited because that is going to be a whole new season for us. That's like, you know, we're, we're looking forward to, but then it's the the natural, the worry, the go-to. So again, I got to give it to God (laughs) over and over again. I won't be worrying. That's good. I'll do, I'll, I'll do it for you. I have other plans. Oh, we're talking about parenting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, real quick, one quick idea for you guys, and we're going to wrap it up. Um, we didn't have a question that really led us there, but we try to have a, a couple nights a week. You okay? Um, we, a couple nights a week, we try to have um, dinner together at the, at the table. Our schedule doesn't allow us to do it every night, but a couple times a week, we try to be at the din- dining room table together as a family. One of the things that... Um, in different seasons, we've done a better job with this than others, but we've recently come back to it. My wife made this um, this laminated set of cards with just some like scriptures that reinforce values for us as a family. And then we'll just pass them around the table and all, all of us participate, mom and dad included, and we just read the scripture until we have it memorized as a family. And then we move on to the next one. So right now we're working on 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient, love is kind, does not miss the love, the love chapter. Because we, we needed a little work on with that in our home, which is why we, so it's kind of nice, like if there's something, an yeah. area that we're working on as a family or, you know, with, in our children, we can go to one of these verses to focus on for a little bit. And we've talked about these before, and I will say that we, we got away from it for a while. And so yeah. we're trying to get back into the habit and the routine of doing it because it's, it's really helpful and so a great tool. Let me leave you with, parents, a gift, a scripture to memorize. Proverbs 13.1. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. Come on, and all the parents said... Amen. Can I just add something about the dinner table yeah, real quick? Yeah. Um, we mentioned in the last service, there, you know, there's a lot of research that's been proven about how powerful that is, families getting around the dinner table and, and having that time. And most families, I'd say the majority probably of families today, you can't do that. Um, most definitely not every night. If you can, that's amazing. We can't do that. Um, but even if you could just figure out one night, like one night a week that your kids could know that this is coming and part of the, you know, routine, the weekly routine with your family where you could come together, put your phones away, put your electronics away, all that. Um, but you could probably figure out at least one night. I think that's a great start. And uh, because it is so powerful to have that time with your family in that moment. And like I said, it's, it's proven, it's healthy. It's yeah. hundred percent. Hey, let's pray. Why don't you bow your heads? And um, I, I know this hasn't been a typical message this morning, but I hope the theme that you've heard from Amanda and I is like, Jesus is the center of, he's the center of all of this. Like it just, it just really doesn't work without him. And we're not perfect parents and we don't have it all figured out. And in fact, you, you might even have some better ideas than the ones we offered today. If you've already got a best practice, you, you roll with yours. But what I do know is it's going to work better if Jesus is in the picture. And um, I just want to give you an opportunity today. Maybe you came to church and you didn't even realize, like, God even cared about the nuts and bolts of family and helping you build strong family. You didn't know that he cared about that. Maybe you're even young and single and you, you never really thought about 
what comes next and what role God might want to play in whether or not he might want you to build family. I just want to never want to have a church service where we don't give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And so heads bowed, eyes closed. If you would say, hey, Michael, uh, we've just been doing life without Jesus. And I realized today I need him. I need him in my life. I need him to be in control. I need him at the center. And I'm ready today to give him my life and surrender and invite him to come be right in the middle of everything. I I need Jesus. If that's you and you're in the room right now, nobody's looking around. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, but I I do want to know that you're here. If you'd say, hey, I I need Jesus. Would you just, real quick, would you just wave a hand at me? I just want to know you're in the room. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Good job. Anybody else? I see it. Anybody else? Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for being honest. It's a big deal. Why don't we do this? Let's keep our eyes closed, but let's stand to our feet. Let's all, just all across the room, let's stand. Keep your eyes closed in this this moment of prayer, if you would. If you raised your hand just now, I just want you, right there where you're at, in your heart, I want you just to to tell Jesus. I'm going to help you with the words. Just begin to tell him right now. Just say, Jesus, today... I'm coming into relationship with you. I want you to be the center of my life. I surrender it all to you. I give it all to you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your guidance and your wisdom. I don't want to live another day of my life on my own. I want you to be my Lord and my leader. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you that one day I will spend eternity with you because of your grace and your sacrifice on the cross. From this day on, my life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want to ask one more question. How many of you in the room today would say, hey, I've got something going on in my family. Nobody look around. I've got something going on in my family life, in my my world that I I need Jesus. We need need God to show up and and do a miracle. Would you just raise your hand? Just like I just, oh man, almost, almost the whole room. Wow. So Holy Spirit, I know there's a lot of stories represented by those hands. I don't know what the details are. You do. I suspect those hands represent disappointment, hurt, unmet expectations, worry, kids who are far from God, family members who are far from God family members who are sick and who need a miracle. And um, Holy Spirit, I just, I pray right now that you would come minister to your people in this moment. You know every request that's associated with those hands, and we ask you, God, to minister today. We pray for lost family members, lost children, lost parents, people who are far from you, God, that you would draw them to yourself. 
We pray for miracles today. We pray for restored relationships. I pray that some parents would leave today no longer using a wishbone, but they would leave using a backbone. Not in a way that's, that's mean-spirited, but God, you would give some, some families their courage back. Help them to be firm but fair. Kind and gracious, but grounded in your word. We want to get it right, God. We accept the responsibility in our families to try to build something that points people to you. And so in the areas of our lives where we, where we need some help, Holy Spirit, we ask you today to put your finger on those things, to nudge us in the right direction. And we thank you that you will. God, and we say one more time, for every one of those hands, God, would you do a work today? I, I just, in faith, I believe that Today is a turning point that as people have said, I need God, God, I need you in this area. And we've come to you in faith that God, you're going to respond and there are going to be miracles and testimonies that come from that. And we thank you for it in Jesus name.